Yeah, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to unfriend you. But don't worry, it's not you, it's us. Thanks, though. We appreciate your time. Well, good morning. Welcome to week number four. We finally made it. Week number four, friending. I'm glad that you're here on this Memorial weekend. So we have the possibility of just having uh, a little rain outside, maybe, but we made it in here. So um, I'm glad to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Um, as we talk about this subject, we have said over and over again, this is an important subject, especially for this time of year, as we're looking at small group sign-ups and what friends mean to us at Stuttgart Harvest Church. This is something, though, that we've learned from a pastor in Oklahoma called Pastor Craig, and um, it just, we just want to pass this on to you because it's just some great information about what the Bible has to say about friends. And we kind of take friends just differently nowadays, just because really of the impact that social media has had on us. Um, how many of y'all are old enough to remember MySpace? Wow, you, you guys are old. You guys are really old. I don't remember MySpace at all. My dad uh, was kind of in that transition of MySpace and Facebook, and he called it uh, Spacebook. <laughs> Spacebook, that's what it was for him or something like that. But um, you know, it, we, this social media thing has changed the dynamics of friendships, and we have these new terms now to deal with. We call it friending. Did they friend me? And sometimes our friend requests wait in limbo for months or months or months or could be for I have years. Like 10 it's so awkward, isn't it? it? Is. When you, I'm you've sorry. At, you've if tried it's to, anybody in this room, it's not. If you've tried to friend somebody and it just sits there and you're like, I, I and you know it's not your deodorant because you're a thousand <laughs> miles away from them, right? So we do, it's just kind of weird. It's, and then we can so easily, as we just saw in the video, we so easily unfriend people. So one day they're your friend and maybe you see something you didn't like or maybe they didn't like something on your page and you wanted them to. I, it doesn't matter. We just, with the click of a button now, can unfriend people. It's just a weird concept. It just has changed the dynamics of friendships. At least the context is different when we talk about social media. And then it has changed the definitions for friends. We just kind of... Uh, we just kind of flippantly now friend people, and they may not be a friend of yours at all, but suddenly they're on your friends list, and then it, it's just, and then we unfriend them just as quickly as we can friend them. It kind of downplays the real importance of friendship. Uh, and you know, this morning we're going to be talking about redefining your friendships and my friendships. Because for the Christ follower, it is absolutely imperative that we kind of redefine this whole thing that we find ourselves in. Not because of social media, but because it impacts our life. And here's what we've been saying each week of this series. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. That'll be on the screen for you. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For, uh, for a companion of fools suffers harm. I, this is a different version on the screen, but it's the same verse. It says, if you walk with the wise, you're going to become wise. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And the opposite is true. Associate with fools, and the New Living Translation says, get in real trouble. Probably for you, the same thing for me. Some of my best decisions in life were encouraged by my friends. 
and probably as well for you as it was for me, some of my biggest mistakes in life, well, yeah, they were encouraged by a different set of friends. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12. Same book of the Bible, but a different verse. 12, chapter 12, verse 26. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully. In other words, those who are following God, pursuing God, they choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. In other words, the same thing. It's really just repetitive. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now, this was written by the wisest man to have ever lived. It's interesting. In a moment, we're going to be talking just a little bit about him. His name was Solomon. Um, he was pretty wise. Uh, he made some mistakes, but a pretty wise fella. In fact, the Bible would project, and we would agree with it, that probably the wisest man, at the time that he was writing this, the wisest man apart from Jesus Christ to have ever lived. Um, it seems in our lives that we meet our friends by chance. Uh, sometimes that happens in a small group. Sometimes it happens because you're in high school and you're in high school and you're just, uh, you're just around a friend. Sometimes it happens uh, because you come into contact via another friend and you are introduced and something happens and it just clicks. We meet friends by chance, but, but we deepen those friendships by choice. We make a specific choice to see which people are going to be on the inner circle of our lives. The people that are going to have our ear. In other words, when they speak, we're really listening to what they say. If they give us advice, we're listening to it. Here's our bottom line this morning. We're going to repeat this over and over again throughout this message. The bottom line is this. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us, walk with the wise and become wise, but associate with fools and get into trouble. Here's another way that this is, uh, that this is put. In 1 Corinthians, now this is the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says this. It's basically the same thing. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You take the best person in this room today and you place them with the wrong friends, then it's just a matter of time before the wrong decisions begin to identify that person. Yeah, you know, Harley, but there's, there's some tension on this topic that, that we can't ignore. When, when we open up the pages of Scripture and when we read the gospel accounts, whether it be uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we find that Jesus is actually a friend of sinners. So when we read the life of Christ, when we read about the life of Christ, we find out that he spent time with people that were nothing like him. And, and people that were nothing like him, they liked him, which, yeah. which is, is amazing to me. Um, it, it made some people mad. It confused others. But he spent time with people like Matthew, the tax collector, and his tax collecting buddies. 
So on one hand, we have Jesus spending time with people that are nothing like him, people that the Bible referred to as sinners or even the tax collectors. They had another whole other category for yeah. him. Um, and then on the other hand, we have this verse in 1 Corinthians. It says that bad company corrupts good character. Yeah. So there's tension yeah. there. Yeah, so there's, how do we How do we that? deal with yeah. that? How, what do we, do we, how do we resolve it? Do we resolve it? So the, the, the truth is that the Bible repeatedly in different places teaches like, do not be unequally yoked, um, that we are the light of the world, uh, that we should go into all the world and, and make disciples. The problem is that the people are in the world. Right. And, and the world can be messy and sometimes the world can be bad for us. Um, so, so how do we resolve this? Um, how do we protect ourselves from slipping away from God in the process of, of reaching people for Christ? Um, do, do we kind of just, uh, you know, split all our contacts with people that are not following Christ and kind of create this church subculture where we only talk to people, we only have relationships with people that are, are following Jesus? Uh, I don't really think that's going into all the world. That's kind of just right. hiding in the church. So, so how do we live in this world and not become, you know, consumed by it, so to speak? And no matter who you are, if we're honest on this topic, there, there's some tension caused by this. So, so how do we do it? How do we, how do we balance it? Yeah, that, that tension, we see it in Scripture, and we experience that today. And so maybe we could just kind of learn a little bit from the life of Jesus as we begin to explore this topic. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus loved everyone around him equally. Uh, he, he equally loved all the people. It didn't matter their station in life. It didn't matter how the world labeled them. He loved them equally. But what we do see is that he did not treat everyone equally. For instance, of all of the crowds that followed Jesus, he only called 12 to specifically follow him. Now, some might look at that and they might say, well, that's just not fair. But I think the truth behind that is that he loved everyone equally, but he did not treat everyone the same. So if he loved everyone equally, didn't treat them all the same. So he, he had all the crowds, only called 12. And then even within that 12, there were three men that he spent much more time with than the other nine. He loved them all equally, but he did not treat them all equally, at least according to the amount of time that they got with Jesus. And even beyond that, Jesus would find himself withdrawing from the crowds and withdrawing from his disciples to spend time with God alone. So we kind of see this, this uh, arrowhead type thing. We've got Jesus with the crowds and he narrows that down to 12. He narrows that down to three, and then he narrows that down to one where he spent some very great quality time with God the Father. And all of this time, though, do you know this? All this time, even from the crowds, Jesus made a very specific effort to keep the Pharisees at arm's length. 
He loved everyone equally, but he did not treat everyone the same. And so you might be saying, okay, okay, Harley, this is beginning to make some sense to me. So if my closest friends are knocking off banks, if they're involved in organized crime and they're running meth labs, then perhaps I need to redefine those relationships. I would say true. If that's the case, I would say most definitely redefine those relationships. But you know, most of us are not in that scenario. Most of us would have to say something like this. You know, I have some very, very close friends actually who are a negative influence in my life. Maybe they are constantly critical, constantly negative. Maybe you have some friends who uh, just from a a male and female perspective, maybe, they, maybe they're just with everything they have in their life, they are pursuing the opposite sex and doing whatever they can to get the attention of the opposite sex. And maybe you say, that is influence, that, that is impacting me and my decisions and what I'm doing. And I would say, yes, in those scenarios, as we look at the people closest to you, the people that have your ear, in other words, when they're talking, you're listening, those people, maybe we need to redefine some boundaries within these relationships that we have. Because for all of us, it is impossible to live the right life when we have the wrong friends. Understanding, understanding though, there is that tension. We're going to continue to address that. But first, let's kind of address this bottom line. The, it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. You know, with that in mind, there, there are a few things. There's actually two things that, that I won't let my friends do in, in my life. And one of those is distract me from God's plan. Um, because it's impossible to, to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. So, you know, that there's this, um, there was this time when Jesus was, was, was talking about how he was going to go to the cross and, and he had to die, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And uh, he was telling the disciples this, and Peter pipes up and he's like, no, no, that's not going to happen. And this is Jesus' reply um, he said in Matthew 16, 23, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty bold, pretty bold First, statement I, I there. Really, I, I need to address something you just said. So are you telling me, this is, this is a newsflash here. Are you telling me that that is Peter Piper? <laughs> Wrong Peter. Oh, okay. Not, not he Peter. piped up in a different way. He piped way. up. Okay, I'm so sorry. You know, Peter was about, about piping up. <laughs> He was, I he thought spoke for just a moment we Piper. had identified no, Peter Piper. Not, not Peter Piper or Peter Parker, but Peter. <laughs> oh, okay. The Rock. I'm Jesus, so sorry. Jesus gave him the nickname so The Rock. Sorry. Back to Jesus. Okay. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. Um, he says, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So even Jesus, his inner, his closest friends, he didn't let them come between him and God. He didn't let them distract him for, from God's plan for his life because God's plan for Christ's life was to march to the cross, to die for your sins, to die for my sins. So, you know, maybe you have some friends in your life that, that maybe not intentionally or possibly intentionally distract you from God's plan. Maybe they encourage um, you to be somewhat materialistic and materialistic is just caring more about things that money can buy than you care about people. 
Yeah, it's not necessarily money. Right. It could be just simply, uh, it could be a four-wheeler, it could be a boat. It, it's not necessarily cash. Right. And, and nothing wrong with a four-wheeler or a boat, but if you, if you care more about that than a person, then there is something wrong with that. So if you have someone in your life, no matter what it is that is distracting you from what you know to be God's plan for your life, then I, we would encourage you to maybe have a conversation with them or maybe you know, move them out of your inner circle of friends a little bit. The second thing is I don't let my friends continually tempt me to sin. Um, and, and, you know, this, this is big because if someone has your ear, if someone is continually gossiping and pulling you into those conversations, maybe just um, pointing out, maybe it's a guy, and a lot of times we say this is just a guy thing, but it's not a guy thing and it's not okay. Um, but maybe there you have a friend that is constantly pointing out what they think are hot girls to you. And, and you are in a relationship, a committed relationship, or you are married that's not okay. That's not okay. They are tempting you towards sin. Uh, or maybe you have friends that are continually tempting you with maybe an addiction or, or uh, some other unhealthy habit. Um, you know, if you are new to following Christ or if you are coming back to following Christ, um, more than likely you already have the, those friends set up in your life. Um, and it may be time for you to kind of develop a new inner circle of friends. And you don't have to be mean about it, but maybe the conversation goes like this, you know, I love you, I care about you, but I'm not going down with you. I'm not going down that road. Yeah, that's you. not the direction that I'm going to head. Um, so those are two things that we won't let friends do in our life, um, to keep us away from God's plan, to continually tempt us to head down the wrong direction, then that's a clue that we've got some friendships we need to redefine. And as Donnie said, it's not a matter of, of saying bad things to them. It's not a matter of telling them, you're not good enough to be in my life. It's just a matter of creating a little bit of distance from them being the inner circle of your life. Why? Because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's because it's impossible to live the right life when we have the wrong friends. So let's go back to this tension. Those are two things that we won't let our friends do, but let's talk about one thing very quickly that we cannot stop doing. And here it is. We cannot stop loving people with unconditional love. That same unconditional love that Christ has loved us with. We can't stop loving people. The worst thing that could happen in this scenario, from someone listening to this message today and going home, the absolutely worst thing that could happen is if someone misunderstands what we're saying and they go out tomorrow and they begin becoming a religious snob giving off the air that I'm too good for you. I go to church now. I'm too good for you. For you to be in my life, I'm too good for that. Jesus did not unfriend sinners. Jesus loved them. 
Jesus absolutely loved him. But you know what he did? He distanced himself from hypocrites. He distanced himself from people who did pretend to be too good for others. From people who thought they were too good for others, for the people around them. We cannot lose our heart. The heart that God has placed within Stuttgart Harvest Church. That heart that says, we love people. But we love people. But that does not mean that we invite them into the core of our lives. We don't invite them. We love them, but we don't invite them to be an influencer in my life. Someone who has my ear. Someone that I'm listening to their advice. When I'm in a struggle, someone who's giving me encouragement to go one way or the other way. If it's someone who's not passionately pursuing Christ, how can they give us advice that God would shine his light on and say, hey, that's good. Just because we love them does not mean we invite them to the core of our lives. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this, back to the tension. A new command I give you, he says, love one another. This is Jesus speaking. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35. And by this, you heard this last week, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus loved everyone the same. He did not give the feeling to those who were sinful and hurting that were around him. He did not give the feeling of judgment and condemnation. They felt loved. But he did not give them all the same access to his life. He had the crowd. He narrowed that down to 12 and from the 12 disciples, he narrowed that down to three. And then the one narrowed down to one that had the most influence on him was the Father. So how do we survive in this world of tension? The world that says we have to be in this world where God has placed us because we are here to bring other people, to escort them to the cross. So how do we live in this world and how do we not be influenced by it? I think here's the key. If we look at that life of Jesus, as we grow our roots our spiritual roots in our life, as we grow them deeper. You know, when a plant grows its roots, they don't just go straight down. Those roots, they branch out. Just look at your driveway. You probably have some roots and look at the edge of your house or whatever. You probably have some roots that are kind of, they spread out from the tree and it's making uh, the driveway start to crack. It's making, you, those roots don't just go down, they go out, they go broad. And as our roots grow deeper, our influence grows wider. 
as our roots grow deeper in Jesus, deeper in God the Father, our influence becomes wider. If we look at the life of Jesus, that time that he spent with the Father, his roots growing deeper. We look at the time that he spent with the three, those who really had his ear. Those who were on the inner part of the life of Jesus. They had more time with Jesus. Those three. We see the roots of Jesus growing. And as they grow deep, our influence grows wider. And that allows us to safely, more safely, be an influencer in the world instead of the world influencing us. So here's, here's really the truth to that. Deep roots with a core Deep roots with a focus on God the Father and deep roots with a core of a handful of people who are the innermost part of your life gives you and me what we need to have a broad reach so that we can love everyone and we can, as best we can, escort those people towards the cross of Jesus. That's how we become an influencer. That's how that tension begins to be solved. Growing our roots deep allows us to have a more safe, broad reach. This morning, we just have a couple of next steps we want to suggest for your life. Here's the first one. The letter A says this. I will listen to God this week about who should and should not be my innermost friends. And remember, we're not saying that you start as, face, as you can in Facebook just unfriending people because that's not very loving. But what we are saying is that you locate, you begin the process of locating one, it starts with one, it's got to start somewhere, one, two, three people, maybe four or five that you can begin to bring to the innermost part of your life. And that does not happen overnight. This is a process. What we're talking about today is a process. But step number one, the, the next step, letter A, if you want to take that with us, just circle the letter A on the back of your connection card. It says, listen, I'm going to move towards this by having a conversation with God that says, who needs to be and who does not need to be in that inner part of my life? And remember that tension. So let's go to now part B of this so that we have a correct balance in an effort to move in this direction. And next step B is going to say this. I will love the people around me. That's everyone. We love everyone. I'm going to love the people around me, and here's how, by walking them toward the cross of Jesus. Now, as we walk someone towards the cross of Jesus, especially for new believers or someone who is new to this, it doesn't mean that that person becomes in the innermost part of your life where they begin to have influence on you. 
That means you need to jump back up and begin growing those roots down. But, it, but we're going to love everyone and begin to escort them towards the cross of Jesus. And one of the easiest ways to do that, one of the first ways that you can do that is by inviting them to sit in the seat next to you here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. It is a way for you to invest in their lives. And you know as teachers... Donnie, Cole, myself, we are going to do our best every week to point you and to point your friends toward the cross of Jesus. And one of the best ways you can have influence on them and still protect yourself from being influenced and being taken down a path that's going to pull you away from God is to invite them to sit beside you. Our hope is that Stuttgart Harvest Church never, ever, ever becomes a place full of religious snobs. But that we will forever be known as a place for the hurting. A place for those who feel like their lives have been hounded and beat down. A place where people feel like they, they can find rest in Jesus a place where they can find hope, a place where they can find a friend. May we be that church. And in order to protect you as we continue to be that church, you must grow your roots deeply into Jesus so that you can have a broad influence with the people who are hurting, the people all around you. The band is going to make their way to the front. We're going to sing some songs together and celebrate this Jesus who is changing us. Will you join me in a prayer? God, you came to this earth as Jesus. You put on the flesh of man so that you could walk among us and so that you would one day, three years after your ministry began, walk to the cross, carrying your own cross. And God, while you were here, you showed us how to love everyone around us. And God, I pray that we would do that. That our roots would grow so deeply into you that we can live among this hurting world and we can escort people to the cross where they can find hope again. Where they can find peace, that peace that they have been looking for. And God, as the world around us observes our lives, as they see how we are genuinely loving the people around us, God, may we give them hope and may we give them proof that we are your disciples because of how deeply we love. We're so thankful for the cross that we're going to celebrate now. The cross where you died for us, Jesus. And only you are worthy of our praise. And we offer it to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.